Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message, which is brought to you by Pastor Todd Roberts. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. All right, well, as we move into our message today, I wanted to start with a question. And that is, how many of you have ever met someone famous? Just show of hands. Okay, a fair number of you. How, how many of you would say that you know someone famous? Like you actually have some kind of relationship with them? Okay, far less of us. All right, well maybe, maybe let me ask it this way. How many of you would like to know someone famous? You know, maybe an athlete or a musician or a pop star or some sort of artist? Anybody? Uh, yeah. I think if we're honest, probably all of us deep down uh, have someone that we look up to, that we look up to, or we admire, or would love to get in a conversation with who's well known or well connected, and somebody that you're, you're aware of that we would love to have a, a conversation with. All of us are probably there at some level. Well, one of the strangest or most surprising things that happened to Lauren over the last 10 years or so is uh, someone that she is good friends with uh, and was a flatmate with at university became hugely famous in America. And I'm not going to say who it is because that's not the point of what I'm sharing today. But, but what happened is uh, this woman uh, and her husband, they started a television show that was a um, home remodeling show. And it was just a smash hit. And then it's gone on from there, and they've kind of developed a whole sort of uh, media empire. It's amazing. Now this woman is in Time Magazine's top 100 most influential people. Um, and it's really surreal for Lauren. You know, she'll, she'll go to the shops and see her friend staring off the magazines at her. You know, well, We'll sign in online and, and see something on, on, in the news about her friend. And, and for Lauren, she's like, I, I know this person really well. I text with this person. I, I, we get together when we're in the same place. You know, it, it's surreal for her to see her it, it, it become this massive, famous person. And what's even more strange is that uh, this woman followed Lauren on social media uh, some time ago. And since that time, Lauren has just received dozens of friend requests from all the people that are in this same industry, you know, the home decor and remodeling industry, hoping, you know, that somehow Lauren can make the connection uh, with this famous person. In fact, Lauren was telling me about a a letter she got from uh, uh, someone in Brazil who was saying, hey, can you just can you maybe uh, connect me with your friend? They wanted Lauren to be an advocate for her, you know, that somehow she could make the connection. And I think most of us deep down, you know, we, 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 we may not go to those extremes, but, but we would love for someone to, you know, what we, we all long for that. We long for that access to these people of power and privilege, we may not go to the same extremes, but, but we all kind of deep down, we'd like that, wouldn't we? I mean, I know I do. I mean, there's, there's people that I, you know, sometimes when I'm flying, I think, man, wouldn't it be cool if I got sat next to somebody who was uh, really famous, this person that I really look up to, and I could actually have a conversation with them for like an hour or something. But most of us want that, and the challenge that, that people who are well-known face is the challenge of access, access, right? That's the tension that they face. On one hand, they they are well known to people. They need to be out in public a lot. But on the other hand, they have to restrict their access to the public. Otherwise, it would destroy them, right? 
That's the tension that they have to constantly navigate. Well, did you know that Jesus had to navigate this same tension, this same challenge? I mean, if you read through the Gospels, what you find is Jesus rises from the place of obscurity to being the most famous person in Israel in a relatively short period of time. I mean, he goes from from being an obscure peasant carpenter to suddenly he's healing people. Suddenly, he's teaching in a way that nobody had ever taught before. Suddenly, there's whispers that he could be the Messiah, and people are flocking to him to the point where they're literally ripping the roof off of the house that he's in in order to get someone access to Jesus. So for Jesus, this was a problem because the crowds, the bigger the crowds got, the smaller the access to him became. And this was a problem because he, that, 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 that wasn't his mission, was to amass a big crowd. His mission was to come to seek and save the lost. He wanted to be accessible to all people at all times. And yet fame and notoriety and everybody wanting to, to Jesus to, you know, maybe enact a political movement to overthrow the Romans or, or for Jesus to do something really um, uh, extraordinary, they were flocking to him. And Jesus had to deal with this constantly. So he would, you know, when he would heal people, you would think he would say, hey, go tell everybody about what, what I did. You know, that's kind of proof that I am who I say I am. But he did the opposite. He said, hey, don't tell anybody else about this. Because he knew once word got out that those crowds would just keep intensifying. So how did Jesus deal with this problem? How did he get out of, how did he handle the, the problem that every famous person has faced, which is the problem of access. How much access can people have to you? I mean, Jesus was, he, he tried to, to solve this in different ways. You know, he, he tried moving around from place to place. He'd teach in one place and then quickly move on to the next place before the crowds got too big. But, but it wasn't just the people of his time that he wanted access to. He wanted access to all the generations of Jesus followers that were to come. And to solve that problem, it's relevant to the series that we've been doing recently called Union, which is talking about our union with God. And that's something I think is vitally important for every follower of Jesus in this hour. Now, union, is, union with God is not a, a common phrase, so if you're new, let me just explain what I mean by that. Union with God is, is talking about the quality of our relationship with God. You know, we talk about, you know, I, I've said it a lot of times here, you were made for relationship with God, and, and that's definitely true. But, you know, relationships can have lots of different forms. You can have relationships that, that are really positive relationships, and you can have negative relationships. But union talks about the quality of the relationship with God that he wants to have with us. That's what we were created for. And union with God is not the same thing as going to church. Union with God is not the same thing as believing in God. Union with God is not the same thing as being God-fearing or just thinking, you know, God is, is, um, God is uh, you know, obeying him or just living life. That's, that's having an awareness of God. But union with God is something different. Union with God is about having a deep oneness with him, a connection with him, like a vine and a branch. And throughout this series, to kind of explain what union with God is all about, we've been looking at uh, John's account of the Last Supper, which is told in John chapter 13 to 17. And it's, it's a really uh, 
a major part of the book of John. John must have thought it was really important. He devotes almost a quarter of the book to his account of the Last Supper. And, and in that account, what you get is Jesus' final words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. It's Jesus' final instructions. This is like the coach giving his team a pep talk before they take the pitch for their big match. So, so there's a lot of gravity in this moment. There's a lot of weight on this moment. And, and Jesus, you know, in, the, in this whole evening, he, he, instant, he goes and washes the disciples' feet. They, they share a Passover meal together, which is prophetic about what Jesus is about to do. He, he institutes the practice of communion. But most of that account is about his final words to his disciples. And the theme of what he talks about is union with him. He makes it clear that the Christian life is meant to be lived in union with him. He puts it this way in John 15. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you, for apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying, you got to be united with me. Now, i gotta got to admit that I've seen this passage for years. I mean, I remember being you know, in my teenage years, reading this passage and sensing there's something important here. Hey, I need to understand what Jesus is saying, but I have to be honest, my, my question was this, what does this mean? What does it mean for us to remain in Jesus? <laughs> does anybody else share that? Like, you read through the, some of this stuff, and you're kind of like, that sounds good, but uh, yeah, several of you. But what actually does he mean by that? The way John writes about Jesus, um, I think John is, must, he must have been a nonlinear thinker because he, he writes Jesus in such a way that makes him sound somewhat like Yoda at times. You know, he's, he's kind of saying, you know, it's like, remain in me, you must. That's a really terrible Yoda impression. But you know what I mean, right? It's a very circular way of describing him. And, and so I think, I just imagine the disciples, as they're listening to Jesus say these profound yet mysterious phrases, they're nodding their heads saying, great point, Rabbi, great point, but we have no idea what you mean. And this must have been so confusing for the disciples because, remember, the context is he's telling them, guys, I'm out of here after this. Guys, I'm leaving you. And you can imagine the pit in their stomach. You know, have you ever had a friend that's moving away and, and, and they come and they tell you, hey, look, we're moving and there's that pit you get in your stomach and you're sad because you know that they're not going to be a daily part of your life anymore. And, and that's what the disciples, if that's what we feel when a friend's leaving, I mean, how much more must the disciples have been feeling that when Jesus was leaving? And so he's, he's telling them this and he's making these really confusing statements. He's saying, hey guys, I'm about to leave but remain with me. Hey guys, I'm about to leave, and apart from me, you can do nothing. I think they must have been like, uh, okay. Uh, What do you mean? How are we supposed to remain in you? How, How can we be, how can we be, how can we remain in you, be united with you if you're not here, if you're not physically present with us? Well, he begins to answer that in the course of his final instructions to them, and he says this, He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Really? Really, Jesus? It's best for you that I go away. I I can't imagine feeling like that would have been hopeful words for the disciples. How could it be better for Jesus to leave than for him to be present? I mean, he was their everything by this point. They'd invested three years of their life. They'd left all to follow him. And now he's saying, hey, 
the best thing, the most loving thing, the kindest thing I can do for you guys is get out of here. Why? Well, it continues. The be- it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus is promising something here. He's saying, hey, look, I, if, if, if I go away, then something better is going to take my place. And he calls him the advocate. Now, who is the advocate? This is the term, the, the title, I think, that Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is, you know, something that, to be honest, I think is a bit mysterious to Christians. Uh, we, we, we don't talk about him much in church. You know, the church I grew up in uh, talked about the Holy Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. We don't talk about it. I think we kind of think about the Holy Spirit as like the force in Star Wars, right? It's this impersonal power that just sort of does things and you know, uh, maybe it's, you know, kind of supernatural. That's how we think of the Holy Spirit. But this title that Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit is, is really interesting. He, he calls, the Greek word there is paraclete. And what it means is advocate, counselor, comforter, encourager, or helper. It, the basic idea, if you're to summarize it all, is someone who is called in to help in time of trouble or need. So Jesus is saying, that he's going to send the paraclete, the counselor, the comforter, the encourager, the one that's going to help you and encourage you in your time of need. And I love that title, the way that, that, that this passage is translated in the version that we just read about him being the advocate, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, just as, as people are approaching Lauren to be an advocate for them with her famous friend, we can go to the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be our advocate for us with Jesus. He's going to be the one who comforts us. He's going to be the one who counsels us. He's going to be the one that encourages us and strengthens us and empowers us to live the Christian life. And Jesus is saying, hey guys, it's actually better for you to go, or for me to go, so that the advocate can come. So Jesus' point is this, the Holy Spirit gives us access to Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us access to Jesus. Not just in Jesus' time, but, but throughout all time. You see, Jesus' problem when he became uh, incarnated as a human being was that he was limited. He was limited to uh, a physical time and space. He couldn't be accessible to all people at all times, and that's what he wanted. You know, let's just say Jesus uh, um, uh, somehow was still living today. Let's say he didn't leave, and he just stayed on the earth, and he continued to live, you know, somewhere in Israel, and and he's still alive today. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? Like, Jesus is on the earth. Can you imagine, like, can you imagine the queue that would be waiting to see him? You know, you'd be lucky if you got 30 seconds with him in your entire life. I got a glimpse of this when I used to live in Africa. Um, One of my friends was a doctor in one of the poorest slums of the city that we lived in. And he, he operated a medical practice to serve the poorest of the poor. It was government subsidized, so the poor didn't have to pay anything for it. But he had a line, a queue, out, sorry, a queue outside of his office door that never ended. He would go to his office, he would hold his office hours, and the queue was constantly coming. He had somebody die 
waiting in the queue to see him. And if that was true for just a simple doctor, how much more would that be true for Jesus? You see, he, Jesus had to do something different so that we could all have access to him. So it was better for him to leave. And he goes on, he begins to describe how the Holy Spirit connects us to him. Elsewhere in this passage, he says this. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. I love that last verse. I will not abandon you as orphans. In other words, Jesus isn't just pulling the rug out from under the disciples. He's not just saying, hey guys, it's been a great three years. Peace out. I'm going now. You're on your own. I hope you can do, I hope you, you, you're able to carry the message of Jesus, the message I've entrusted with you to the world, but I'm going. No. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm going to be with you. I feel so much comfort in that fact. But how is he going to be with us? He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he continues. He says this. He says, soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I love this. Jesus is talking about how the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to live in union with him. Not just his disciples, but all the generations of Christians that were to come. See, this is a universal statement. It applies to us just as much as it did to them. And he's saying, hey, look, even though I, the world can't see me, you're going to be able to see me. What does he mean by that? Like, we're not seeing Jesus physically, at least most people aren't. I've heard of people that have had visions of Jesus, and, and that's great, but I think what he means by that is the Holy Spirit is the yes in your spirit that, that rises up in your heart every time truth is spoken. Every time God is speaking or moving in your life, the Holy Spirit is identifying, saying, hey, this is Jesus. He's moving in your life right now. Pay attention. Listen to this. He, he, and, and then he says, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and, and that's, that's going to allow me to dwell in you. Literally, the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. And, and elsewhere in the Gospels, in, or in the, the New Testament, it describes the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Christ. So when Jesus isn't, is, is saying, I'm going to come to you, he's saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is from me, and that's going to connect you with me in a way that is far more profound than physical presence. This is more than just about being physically present. I'm going to be spiritually present in your life. And I'm never going to leave you. And I'm never going to forsake you. I think that's incredible. I think that's fascinating. That's, that, that's so beautiful. One of the most powerful things about Christianity is that Jesus wasn't just a historical figure that lived 2,000 years ago that we can read about and talk about and study and muse on his teachings and stuff. No, we can be united with him now. We can have the very same kind of connection with him that the disciples had in the first century because of the Holy Spirit. I think that's powerful, and that, that just changes everything, that we have this 
advocate who comforts us, who counsels us, who advocates for us with Jesus, who, who essentially gives us that all-access pass to Jesus that, that we all wish we had. That's what the Holy Spirit's all about. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes union with Jesus possible. So as we close today, I just want to say, you know, Jesus hasn't left us alone as orphans. He sent his spirit to, to live in us, to dwell in us. And, and, and the thing that, that I feel like so many people are feeling right now after the last six months is isolation. We've just been isolated by the lockdown and, and the ongoing restrictions, and it seems like we're heading back into that. And I don't know about you, but I just feel it's like that, that kind of dread of, oh, no, here we go again. But I think today, Jesus wants you to know that he will never leave you, that he will come to you. He hasn't left you as an orphan. And so if you're feeling alone today, if you're feeling the sting of isolation that all the restrictions are causing right now, I want to encourage you to turn to the Holy Spirit right now. And maybe just pray a simple prayer. I, I just wrote this as an example. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me. Help me experience his love and presence afresh today. It's so such a simple prayer because that's what the Holy Spirit loves to do. He loves to reveal Jesus to people. It's like he's, he's, he, he comes and his whole purpose is to help people understand Jesus, to help them uh, receive him, to help him to help people live out the Christian life. He loves to reveal Jesus. So, so this is a simple way, I, I, this is a prayer that I know that the Holy Spirit would love to answer. So if you this morning are just feeling that distance, if you're feeling distant from God or you're feeling distant from people, you're just feeling lonely, I want to encourage you, just put your hand on your heart and pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me today. Help me experience his love and his presence afresh today. It's a simple prayer. And there's so many prayers like that of just simply inviting the Holy Spirit to come. But I want to close today by giving an invitation. You see, for, to, to receive the Holy Spirit, to, to have the Holy Spirit in your life, to receive this, this comforter, this encourager, this advocate, there's got to be a choice that you make to receive Jesus for yourself. And this morning, I, I just want to give you that opportunity to say yes to him, to open your heart to him. Because when you do, the Holy Spirit comes and he fills your heart. He, he gives you a clean start and a new heart. And you begin to, or you have this this, the Spirit of Christ literally dwelling in you, and life is never the same after that. So if you want that today, then I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and I'm just going to put it up here on the screen. And whether you're here in the room or whether you're watching at home, I just want to invite you to pray with me this simple prayer. Jesus, I don't want to do life alone anymore. I need you. I believe your death and resurrection made it possible for me to be forgiven and restored to you. I open my heart to you right now. Forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to walk with you from this day forward, no matter 
the cost. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And listen, if you prayed that prayer, then that is the beginning of your life as a Christian. That's the yes in your heart. And, and the Holy Spirit has come and filling your heart. You may not feel anything pres uh, uh, physically, or you might, but I want to encourage you that, that you've made a decision today that all of heaven rejoices over, and we do too. But there's one thing I want to encourage you to do, and that is to tell someone. You see, you, when you become a follower of Jesus, you enter into a community of Christians all around the world. And, and, and walking, it's impossible to live the Christian life without others coming alongside you, helping you, and supporting you, and encouraging you. So I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this choice. And if you're here today, then step over to the Connect Point after the service. We'd love to talk with you about it. Or if you're watching online, you can go to our website, antiochsheffield.org.uk. Click on the Contact Us button. That'll put you in touch with one of our pastors. But we're going to wrap up there. So let's stand and let's sing together. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.